Hey, before I dive into the message on Ecclesiastes, I want to introduce you to someone who we take three or four minutes sometimes to do a spotlight of a ministry that we have here at Timberline. Uh, we're celebrating sort of a year anniversary with what is called Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery is led by our wonderful director, Chad Stone. He's an awesome guy who loves God and loves people. And, and thank you for doing such a great job with this, Chad. We really appreciate you and what you're about. And man, think of a name like Chad Stone. That sounds like a movie star, Chad Stone. I bet you didn't get picked on in junior high or anything. Plus, dude, you're big. I love it. I look up to him. Welcome, Chad. He's going to tell you a little bit about Celebrate Recovery. Thank you. This is the third time he's done that to me, and it's still embarrassing. <laughs> well, this is, uh, first off, I just want to say thank you to Timberline for hosting and supporting this ministry. Uh, this is, it's a big deal. And uh, November 3rd, we celebrated our one-year anniversary, and it has been a an amazing year. Uh, I, I have had the honor and privilege to see lives transformed. Um, people that are hopeless uh, just find hope and life in Jesus again. So God still works miracles. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, the, bringing the dead of spirit back to life. Those are, those are the things that, that I've got, gotten to see this last year. And, uh, you know, as I was... Um, Getting ready to uh, come up here thinking about what, what's really important to say. Um, God reminded me of something that happened about six years ago. My son was four at the time. And uh, we went to this uh, Chinese restaurant. It's run by this uh, Chinese couple, a uh, neat place. And uh, on the way home from there, my son asks me, Dad, are Chinese people real? Kind of like, what? <laughs> well, that, that's, we were just, you know, um, anyways. Something that really struck me from that is uh, it reminds me of something Jesus said. He says, you need to be like little children. You need to be like little children. And I, I look back at that story and I look at the innocence that was in that. He didn't see people different from himself. He just saw people. And we look at the word recovery, and a lot of times there's kind of a stigma attached to that. Mm -hmm. We hear the word recovery, and, and what comes up in so many of our minds is, those people, you know, those people who need recovery are people who have a problem with alcohol or drugs or the, the list goes on and on. There's no shortage of things that can be abused. And one thing I'd like to really do today is just kind of challenge that, uh, that misconception because recovery is not so much about giving something up. It can certainly include that. But recovery is more about taking something back. Recovery is about taking back our right relationship with God with Jesus Christ and with other people, what he always intended us to have. And so if, there is, uh, if there's anybody here that's struggling with, with shame or fear or anxiety, if there's anybody here feeling isolated from God or alienated from others, you know, I just really love to invite you to Thursday night. Come check out the program. And, and please come more than once because I'll let you in on a secret. The first time will be uncomfortable. The first time for me was uncomfortable and I, I was running it. So it's, 
So anytime we step into something like that, it's uncomfortable. And as a matter of fact, this Thursday would be a great time to visit because uh, we have the privilege of Pastor Derry coming to be with us this now, Thursday. I don't know if that's a privilege. That's a privilege for me, but you're going to be stuck with me Thursday. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I do invite you to come. We're just going to have some dialogue Thursday night about what it means to take back some of that stuff that's, that's been taken from us. And uh, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but our Lord comes to give life. And that's what this whole ministry is about. And so we look forward to that. Plus, we're going to eat. We are going to eat 530. If you show up at 530, yeah. there will be food. Yeah, see, if you feed them, they will come. We've learned that. Let's pray for Chad, okay? Lord, thanks for Chad, his family, his leadership team, and just all the great stuff you've done through him. I just ask for a special anointing and blessing on his life. Thank you for Celebrate Recovery and the many, many stories, the testimonies that have come from this great ministry. Encourage them forward. In your name we pray. Amen. Say thanks one more time to Chad. God bless you, man. Good stuff. Wow. Great stuff. I really appreciate uh, all the work and effort people go to and making a difference in people's lives. Well, you know, I was thinking about this message, and we've been in Ecclesiastes now for this is the 10th week. It's a series that we're walking through Solomon's diary, the stuff he wrote down after experimenting with life. And it, it took me to just this moment of recognizing Bonnie and I and her, some of her team, her managers with UCount Campaign, just got back from India. And you guys, I've got to tell you this. After four years, by the way, my wife Bonnie founded a ministry called You Count Campaign. It's an anti-sex human trafficking ministry that's through Timberline. And, and we have been building a home of hope for these girls coming out of, of really sex slavery. It's, it's indescribable. And I won't even take the time now to do that. It's depressing and discouraging. But this time we saw hope. And the eight women that went with Bonnie and plus pastors Dick Foth and Mark Orphan, we went to dedicate the building that you guys have funded. And these girls, it's unbelievable. You have made a difference in the world. And the last weekend of January, Bonnie and her team are going to be unfolding that. We have video and footage and pictures. And we got to meet the girls that make all these goods that they sell around here. And their names are in them. We got to meet those gals and hear their stories. It's just been an amazing thing. But the reason I'm telling you that now is that in, in being in a place like that and seeing what people can do to others, so many people make foolish decisions. I've called this message, Whose Fool Are You? Not as a slam to you or me, because hopefully we're not foolish. But Solomon, think of this. Solomon is tagged as the wisest man to ever live. That's big. He asked for wisdom, and God said, I'll give you wisdom and riches. And Solomon became foolish. If the wisest man who's ever lived can squander his wealth blow it with his marriage and almost wreck the nation of Israel like he did, how many of you know that that means I might do something foolish also? Because <laughs> I'm not as wise as this guy. We all have the potential. And that's what I want us to see today. I want us to just open up our hearts to say, okay, I have the potential to do some pretty dumb stuff. And I can be anchored in God. I can have a lot of wisdom. But even wise people can do foolish things. Do you believe that? Okay, that's the premise of today. You got to go with me there. It's really important. Matter of fact, I thought about taking a roaming mic around today and saying, tell me one of the most foolish things you've ever done. <laughs> I thought, what's up? We'd never get out of here because we'd hear so many great stories. 
Um, I've done some foolish things. We all have. Wish we could take them back. But here's, here's where I want to go. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Turn your bulletin over. Write some stuff down. Number one, these first three are going to go pretty quick. I want to spend most of my time on number four, but I got to set this up. Why do the little things really matter? Why do the little things really, really matter? Solomon doesn't know that his diary is going to be divided into 11 chapters. He's just writing. And so today we pick up pieces of what he's saying. Now, it's nice in chapter 10 because he says some really smart things. He's not... He's kind of come through his sarcasm stage. He's come through, there's no meaning in life. He's starting to recognize that there are some nuggets he's learned through all of his escapades. And so we get to pick up on some of those things. Look at verse 1 of, of chapter 10. As dead flies, <laughs> I love this, cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, so a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. See, it just takes a little bit of foolishness to wreck honor and wisdom of a lifetime. That's what he's saying. One fly, nice bottle of perfume, and it's ruined. It's going to stink up the whole thing. A wise person chooses the right road. A fool takes the wrong one. When you look at those little decisions that we make, and they're in milliseconds, and, and either we can go this way or this way. And I want to I frame that today. I want to talk about what that means and why we've got to be people who learn the discipline of making good decisions. I was uh, actually in seventh grade in junior high, and my teacher, a uh, great guy, taught us all a lesson. He handed out pennies to the class, and he asked us to wear them the rest of the day in our shoe. How many of you have ever put a penny or nickel or something in your shoe and worn around for a day? It's unbelievable how much you feel it and you recognize its presence. I've, I, I started yesterday and I'm still wearing a penny in this shoe. Just as a reminder for me today, how unique it is to have some little thing be a reminder in my life. And it's oftentimes that that's what we need to, in that moment of tension to make a good decision rather than a foolish decision. Just that little something I think it's that little something. How many of you can say it's the little something that can drive you crazy about someone in frustration? You ever been in a car with someone chomping the gum? You know what I mean? And you just, you love them to death, but you're going to throw them out of the car if they don't stop. And yet also we say, you know, we can love someone fully just because of those little things they do that make the difference. And sometimes it's just those little things that are big things. Maybe we need to think small after all, instead of so big, because those little things matter. Number two in your outline, our attitude will give us away. I'm a firm believer in this. I I'm big on attitude. Behaviors are one thing. Attitude is a whole nother level. Behaviors can change if you get attitudes right. But I'll tell you, it's tough to change an attitude that's not right. Look at what Solomon says. This is fun. You can identify fools just by the way they walk down the street. <laughs> what in the world does he mean? Do you think you could sit in there? How many of you like to people watch? I wonder if we just did an experiment and we just went and watched people and be like, wise, wise, fool. <laughs> wise, fool. How do we know? And I think what he's saying is that there's an attitude that smacks 
of arrogance and pride and, and something comes off of people in an attitude that you just, you just despise. You just immediately, even maybe by the way they walk, it's just frustrating to you. And, and Solomon is recognizing that we have to be careful in our walk not to have that kind of, of an attitude, but to have an attitude that is a servant of Christ. I'll tell you what, if you had two people with the same skill set, okay, equally gifted, one had a really great attitude and one had a really horrible attitude and you spent a week with them together, you would come to the end of that week and you would absolutely promise that they do not have the same skill set, even if they did. Because there's something unique about a person who has an attitude that goes with their skill set. That's why, that's why it's interesting when you use the word follower of Jesus with the term and they also have a really bad attitude, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. It's okay, you can have a bad day, but the fruit of the Spirit matters in our lives. How we behave and how we respond to need and, and, and how we react to things. That's what Solomon is saying. Number three, how can I stay calm and not panic? Now, this thrusts us into some different thought and I really kind of think this is a, a great place to land for just a minute or two. Verse 4. If your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. I'll tell you that I think in our culture right now, it's as, it's as high as it's ever been since I've been alive, is the overreaction of people. We have so much violence in our country right now simply because of overreaction, overreaction. We have the pendulum who, even in churches, it'll swing from here all the way over to here because people overreact to something. And instead of walking in the balances of wisdom and honor and godliness, we always have to take it to the next level in whatever it is. Let's turn it up, turn it up. And, and I think we, we are deceived sometimes when we think that. Um, passion isn't anger. I've been a pastor for a lot of years, and I can honestly tell you, in meetings I've had between a husband, a wife, a teenager, and a dad, or a mom, or two people in business struggling with each other, I've never been in a meeting trying to calm the situation or help the conversation where yelling back helped. Would you agree? So why is it that we get caught up in the same behaviors of those who maybe make foolish statements? See, fools begat fools. And what happens is we usually go to the lowest common denominator, which can result in just wanting to punch somebody. Because that at its worst is just, I'm sick of this, I can't deal with this, and it's just a physical reaction. That's foolishness. God has something better in mind and more in mind. I can't overreact if I'm getting frustrated at work. If someone is down on you, if something's happening, you're being bullied, you're being whatever. Look, getting even is not going to change that person. But if you can navigate through this, a quiet spirit is actually a soft answer turns away wrath, the Bible says. How can we be people of the spirit to say, I will pay attention to being calm when it gets turned up? I guarantee you the next time you're in a heated argument, if you can just stop and pause and say, okay, I feel the penny in my shoe. It's a reminder that says I need to pay attention to what I'm about to say. 
I need to pay attention to what I'm about to do because I could suffer extreme consequences and pay for this a long time if I don't pay attention. And that takes us right into number four, okay? This is where I want to spend a few minutes with you. Will I recognize that every decision I make has a consequence? Now, at first you're going to say, yeah, of course it does. But I want to talk about the consequence of decisions. Now, first of all, this can be a good thing. If you make good decisions, you're going to reap some really good fruit from it. And thank God when that happens, right, that feels good. And you go, yay, that's a win. But the stupid decisions I've made in my life, I've suffered from. Because I have to also walk through the consequences of it. And, and I, I, sometimes I have to learn things the hard way, and we all do. But verse 5, Solomon just starts rattling off all these things. Follow along. Listen carefully to these words. Don't zone out on this. This is really important. There is another evil I have seen under the sun. Kings and rulers have made, made grave mistake, a grave mistake when they give great authority to foolish people and low positions to people of proven worth. In other words, you watch leaders who promote people above someone who has a proven track record, and you go, what's that about? I have seen servants riding horseback like princes and princes walking like servants. And then Solomon goes into this risk-reward thing. Um, if you dig a well, you might fall in. <laughs> I love some of these. They're, they're really funny. When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. What is he saying? Is he saying never demolish a wall? No. He's saying if you decide to do that, there are risks involved. He says when you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there is a danger of each stroke of your axe. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. I love this one. If a snake bites before you charm it, what's the use of being a snake charmer? <laughs> well, gee, I don't know. Solomon, I'll have to think about that one. I'm not interested in being a snake charmer anyway, but anyway. Wise words bring approval, but fools are destroyed by their own words. Now, now think of this. Fools base their thoughts, the foundation. They base their thoughts on foolish assumptions. So their conclusions will be wicked madness. You know what he's saying? He's saying when you, when you have at the foundation something that's foolish and you're building your thought patterns on that, your reactions and your responses are going to be Chaotic. That's why we say when people do something really stupid or foolish, we say, duh. You know, what were they thinking? Hello. We have all these phrases to, because we can't imagine that someone, here's why, they have built it on a foolish assumption. And we all have done it and not realize it. We don't even recognize when we do it. They chatter on and on, the Bible says, verse 14. No one really knows what is going to happen. No one can predict the future. Fools are so exhausted by a little bit of work that they can't even find their way home. What sorrow for the land ruled by a servant, the land whose leaders feast in the morning. He's, he's not talking about having breakfast. He's talking about starting the party. They get up in the morning and start all over again and get drunk. He talks about that even later. Every action has a consequence that we need to consider. You guys, that's why Chad... Stone was talking to us about Celebrate Recovery. 
That's why it's a ministry that we desperately need around here because it's a daily or weekly reminder for some of us to say, pay attention to the little things. If I can go hour by hour, if I can go day by day, that might turn into week by week, month by month. Suddenly I'm overcoming some of these patterns that are messing my life up. But it all starts with those little thoughts and the consequences in my life. Okay, I'm going to just confess something to you right now, okay? I need your prayers because Bonnie and I, that's my wife of 33 years, we're having a little struggle. Now, we have grown up, um, all all of our marriage pretty much with, with dogs and some cats, and we're animal lovers, and three kids. And we reached a place just a couple of years ago where, um, sadly, you know, all the kids have now gone, which is kind of exciting and fun, and we miss them, but they're in good, a good place. And, uh, and I'm, I'm loving watching their lives unfold, so that, that's been a lot of fun. But then the, the dogs died, which is very sad because we love dogs. And then the, the cats died. Which is pretty good, actually. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Cat lovers, forgive me. I'm sorry. Don't throw anything. <laughs> I can only say that because Bonnie's not in this service. Um, no, but see, what she's, I'm kind of liking. See, Bonnie and I really, we love each other in our marriage, but we also just kind of like each other. It's fun to hang out. And we have this kind of freedom, and we can go out and eat and don't worry about the dogs or the animals and kids aren't there and just I'm kind of enjoying it and the other day she said Terry we we need to get another dog oh. I'm saying honey this is so nice I mean we're at this place in our life where think about it you know we could just hop in the car and take a little trip we it, I know but it wouldn't it be nice to come home and the dog is there and I'm like am I not enough <laughs> She said, no, not really. (laughs) And I'm realizing that every decision has a consequence, right? Because then I have have to go into, okay, I mean, she's a big girl. She can get a dog if she wants to. But the big thing is, will I participate? Or will I say, no, this is your dog. I'm not getting up with this dog. I'm not putting the dog out. I'm not, and I get real selfish because I said I didn't want a dog. So let's just have prayer for us that God will help us. How many of you understand what I'm talking about right here? Okay, this, these are the kinds of things that seem so silly, but magnify that times 100 in real life scenarios where we are forced to make decisions that have consequences in our lives. And, and that's why sex matters. You know, young people, I just challenge you, understand when you make a decision about sexuality, there are consequences that go with that decision. And, and it can bless your life or wreck your life. If it's outside of marriage, you're going you're gonna to be, it's going to be a challenge. There are consequences about every decision about money in our lives. It goes on and on. So God wants to help us and partner with us. Now, here's one of the biggest things I can say today. And I hope you'll stay with me for just a few more minutes. Uh, this is a lighter, okay? It's still working. <laughs> That's good. I'm a, I need a volunteer to come up and just put your finger in that flame for a couple minutes. <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> it's been that way all weekend. I don't understand. <laughs> you know why you won't do that? 
is because you have touched fire before, <laughs> right? Kids, be careful. That stove is hot. Oh, yeah, it's hot. What is it about us? I don't know, but that's what happens. Now, here's the thing. When you put your finger in fire, the consequence is immediate. Now, think about this. That's why you won't do it. That's why you won't even be tempted to do it. Because your finger, in just milliseconds, the nerve endings on your finger will absolutely buzz back to your brain and say, ouch, don't do that anymore. This is not good for you. But that's not what happens with so many other things in our life where the consequences are even worse than a minor burn because we don't see any immediate consequence. And you slip over the edge and you see something you shouldn't be looking at or you participate in something you shouldn't participate in or you tell a lie or you, and, and man, it's like you get away with it. There's no, no, no voice from heaven, no fire. The, the ground doesn't open up and swallow you. And so what happens is we begin in our mind to enjoy the logic of fools. It's exactly what Solomon is saying. When there's no immediate consequence, it lures us in to that place we feel safe, but we're not safe at all. And I just feel like God wants me to say this to some of you today. God wants you to be really safe. Not just feel safe with the safety of fools. There is a place where God can bring you, where you can overcome and you can live a life that matters to God. And that involves the development of our character and our integrity. Please, let's get this right. Diet is a perfect example on the other end. How many of you ate some, something on Thanksgiving? How many of you built your whole day around eating that day? <laughs> eating and football, do I hear a yes? Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you right now, you know, I definitely overate that day. I enjoyed every, every minute of it. But you can probably overeat one time a week and it doesn't even impact your body. At least you won't gain any weight. But when you do it the next day and you overeat again <laughs> and you start to do that more often, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to start saying, honey, we need a new dryer because this one is shrinking our clothes right? Things are going to change in your body. Why? Because it's not an immediate consequence. It's a slow consequence. And all of a sudden, we're in a place we never thought we would be in. This goes on and on with so many examples in life. But God can help us. Last thing I want to say to you, and we'll pray, is this. Number five, will I recognize my emotional wake and navigate the wake of others? Will I recognize that I leave a wake behind me. Say, well, what does that mean? I don't know. I've read a few books lately that are res responding and referring back to what they're just calling an emotional wake. And what they mean by it is that all of us leave something behind. When we walk into the room, there's an emotional wake that comes with us. In some cases, that wake can, can crash people, slap people, uh, throw water on them, mess them up, or that wake can invite them to come along with a ride. It can be a blessing to pull them away from the place they're in. The reason I think I like the language is I grew up over in Grand Junction on the east slope of, or west slope of Colorado, and, and it was just a great place to grow up. And we're, we were three and a half hours from this lake called Lake Powell. Anybody been to Lake Powell? Every summer, it was sort of our family vacation and tradition to go to Lake Powell. And we had this 17-foot ski boat that I learned how to drive probably when I was 10 or 11. 
and it was just a blast. And we would go, and I, I always, I'll never, I can still remember being, Lake Powell has these sheer walls, and it's not real wide. In most spots, it's fairly narrow. And you do feel the wakes of other boats. Well, there was this one boat out of Page, Utah, that would be coming down the mountain. It was the Canyon Tour Boat. And it was massive because it had hundreds of people on it touring Lake Powell. And those big old diesels would be thundering down the channels. And I could hear it coming before I could even see it. And I remember so many times looking up and saying, oh, no, it's the tour boat. And that boat would go by me. And I would know it would just be a matter of minutes before those massive waves would, would come and attack me in that little boat. And if you didn't have your boat in the right lane, going the right speed, you were going to risk something because they were big waves. Or you could get in on behind one and you could kind of go right along with it and it would be so much fun. And I think that is a statement about what we need to recognize about the wake that we leave behind. What do your office mates say about your wake? What does your family say about the wake in your life? What do you leave? Do you bring people along or do you throw spray on them and intimidate them and cause fear to grow in their life? It matters to God. I'll read this and we'll be done. Happy is the land, verse 17, whose king is a noble leader and whose leaders feast at the proper time to gain strength for work, not just to get drunk. Laziness leads to a sagging roof. Idleness leads to a leaky house. A party gives laughter, wine gives happiness, and money gives everything. And he's saying that in the context of balance with wisdom means we can be a family that can enjoy the joys of life. But if we don't do that and we go excessive, we will destroy everything that God meant for us to have pleasure in. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this powerful passage. Thank you, God, for moments like this where we can... We can ponder Solomon's thoughts and we can get really real about the challenges in our lives. We can face them with confidence in you. With heads bowed in here, I'm gonna ask you to just be super respectful of this moment and let's give each other space today. The word of God is profound and it pierces through the heart. And if you'll let the spirit work with you today, not just on you, because God's not ticked trying to make you feel bad. That's not going to help you. God wants from, from inside of your spirit to create a new wave that will pull you along with him. But I'm going to ask a couple tough questions that I'm going to ask you to respond to by lifting a hand. If you don't want to lift your hand, you don't have to. You can nod your head. I get that. But I always like to lift my hand because it's a physical gesture to something spiritual my life and I'm recognizing it and I'm saying to God, yes, you're talking to me. The first one is this, I've been foolish and I'm facing consequences. Just lift it up and put it right back down. I, it doesn't matter to me. And the tendency on this one is often for people to say, yeah, God's really mad. And, no, here's what, here's what I think God really wants me to tell you. I really mean this. God wants to give you wisdom to walk through this consequence. The Bible says in James that we can ask for wisdom and God will give it to us. So it's not just about you facing the pain and 
No, God wants to, he's not going to leave you alone if you'll seek him. Guys, he, don't make another foolish mistake by running away from this. Face it and have the wisdom of God as you walk through maybe the pain of other decisions you've made in your life. God loves you. He can empower you and he can give you the strength to walk through this. I promise you, and you won't be alone. The second thing, and I'm going to pray for both groups in a minute, is you just need to own the fact that you really don't like the wake that you leave. It's, it's, you, you're going to be honest and say, you know what, I could respond differently. I feel like God is prodding me a little bit to maybe put the penny in my shoe and pay attention to the little moments when maybe I overreact. And You're not just going to blame it on your personality type and all that. You're just going to say, I need to own some overreaction. I need to own the wake that I've left. Hold your hand up and put it right back down if that's you. Let's pray for one another. Lord, we all could lift our hands to these at different places in our lives, and we still recognize that. And so right now, in what we call our living room here in this auditorium, we just, we just put our arms around our brothers and our sisters. Lord, this is a place where we want to embrace one another. We want to do life well. We want to finish well. I just pray that your Holy Spirit will come and quicken the heart and mind. God, would you renew a passion to chase hard after you, to lay down the folly, to embrace the wisdom of God, to go to that place on the wake of the Savior, Jesus Christ. You paid the price so we don't have to. We love you today. We give you our lives. We pledge you our future. Don't let us live in the house of fools, but let us walk with the wisdom of God. And thirdly, Lord, I just pray for those who don't know you personally today, maybe some who are considering becoming a follower of the teachings of Jesus. If you're here and you're examining the claims of Christ and you feel like maybe today the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart and you want to follow him and you want to make a decision to follow him, listen, this is a safe church, it's a safe place for you to ask hard questions about the claims of Jesus. But there comes a moment when you need to make a decision and you say, I believe. And it takes faith because you believe God is knocking on your heart. And I just want to lead you in a prayer if today is your day. I won't embarrass you, but I do want to lead you. Say this from your heart in your own words, perhaps. Lord, I come to you in faith. I believe that you are the Son of God. I'm learning about you. I want to trust you more. But I'm asking for forgiveness of my own sin because I know I have. Forgive me. And give me the faith to walk in your forgiveness and to trust you in my future. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for cleansing me. Help me to forgive myself today and to move forward as a child of God. In your name we pray these things, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys, for journeying with us through Ecclesiastes. I know you're having great small group discussions, and God bless you in that. We're going to continue our worship right now as we wrap up today by giving in an offering. Uh, his tithe, your offering, give joyfully as the Bible commands us. Um, if you are a visitor or a guest, please drop the communication connection card in as the plate goes by. We don't expect you to give in this offering. If you have already considered a faith promise for our Windsor Church, 
uh, please drop that in as well, a monthly faith promise or a one-time gift. If you want to take that card home with you, that's fine too. Pray about it. We'll be talking about this the next couple of weeks. God bless you in this. Lord, make a difference today through our gifts. Thank you, God, for these people who are believing through you we can change the world. Thank you for that kind of faith in your name. Amen. Hey, our prayer team is coming up right now, and uh, we would love to pray with you about something specific maybe going on in your life, and so please let us do that. There's lots of tables and sign-ups out there. If you could help us on Christmas Eve, go by Central Serve and just give them your name and we'll get a hold of you. But let's remember as we go today, the service starts now. God bless you. Love you. Have a great rest of your weekend.